0: Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com.
1: Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more.
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 76 of Sharp and Hot. I am your host, Chef Emily Peterson, coming to you live from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Joining me in the studios and my producer. Hi, Anne. Hello. How's it going? I'm okay. Um, It is 2.09. We are officially nine minutes late. (laughs) I am 100% responsible for that. (laughs) And I... uh, I I will be two hours early and sit in a parking lot rather than be late. Li- like, I hate, right, right. I hate to be late. My father was a commercial fisherman and would say, mm-hmm. Emily, time and tide waits for no Same man. Time and tide waits for no man. It took me like 15 <laughs> years to understand what he was saying. Time and tide. Yeah. What, but he would be like, Time and tide waits for no man. <laughs> I did not know what that meant. Now I know. And, um, uh, he's probably listening, but my husband will be late for his own funeral, and so gotcha. James and I—James will, will be strapped in the car seat. I will literally be sitting in a running car for ten minutes, waiting for my husband. Yeah. So that we are late is... I'm sorry. I apologize. It's quite all right, because I'm definitely the late-for-the-own-funeral kind of person. Are so, you? yeah. I mean, I feel like there's even doubt. This was my, This was great. I have, a, I have a pretty good reason. I took my NYU kids down to Brighton Beach this morning, and in an attempt not to be late getting to Brighton Beach, I was an hour early. There you go. So I had an hour to sit on the boardwalk. I know. So, <laughs> so I sat on the boardwalk on the beach, and I have not seen the ocean in many months at this point, which is very sad for me, um, because I grew up on the east end of Long Island in Hampton Bays. Mm -hmm. And joining us in the studio are today's guests. I have Leanne Lavin, who is the author of the new cookbook, the Hamptons and Long Island Homegrown Cookbook, and one of the chefs who's featured in the book, Chef Joe Realmuto. Welcome.
1: Thanks for having us. Thank Thank you you for
2: coming on. So, um, I grew up in Hampton Bays, and... You're like a neighbor. I'm a neighbor. (laughs) I did not Get what a privilege it is to live so close to the ocean, and that not everybody gets to do that. Or like, grow up where you could just yeah, drive right. down and check the waves and go back to school. That's <laughs> right. So, you guys get to be out there full time. Joe, you are the chef of Nick and Tony's, and also Townline Barbecue is in the restaurant. La Fondita,
1: group. Rowdy Hall, um, Nick and Tony's Cafe here in New York City, and uh, Honest Catering. We have now have a catering company as well.
2: So, I want you to know that I've been going to La Fondita. Summer after summer, and last summer I saw Paul McCartney, McCartney eating tacos.
1: Yeah, yeah, we have our, we have our list of people that kind of come through there under the radar, which is kind of cool about it. Actually, I, you know, really it's kind of stripped down and it's no, great it's not pretentious or anything no it's, it's great. awesome
2: and like if anyone has visited the hamptons they're you know if you're not a native and you don't feel like oh i'm above all of this tourist you you know which is how kids who grow up there are trained to feel i think it's like they give it to us in a high school class hmm. uh, but it's it's so like easy going and you have the garden in the yeah, back it's the and, beach you yep, know it's people great.
1: show up in their flip-flops and board shorts and they just come down and grab a taco and a beer and Including you know, Paul McCartney. Yeah, exactly. So we're sitting there, and
2: my husband point, I, or like Mark, my husband and I both spot him at the same time. And my initial instinct was to frame my toddler with Paul McCartney as a photo oh, bomb. Oh, that's so cute. Because I thought that would be so, and then, but like Paul McCartney's like just an old dude eating his tacos. You know, it's like ta- eating tacos outside at the beach is a he's great so equalizer. down too.
1: You know, he just flies under the radar and just... Melt in with everybody else that's out there. I've Very since
2: cool. had two really vivid dreams that he's invited me to his house to cook lunch <laughs> for him, and that so in my head we're really good friends. At this point. It's we, not a
0: dream. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the next morning we went to San Harbor and got coffee and walked out where the onto the wharf where the sailboats all are, and um, Yoko Ono was sitting there. Oh, that's funny. My husband and I had tweeted, and I saw him, Paul McCartney, and, I, and he was like, "If you tweet that we saw Yoko Ono, people are not going to believe." Seeing and the So I let it be. But let it be. Ow! Ow! Oh, come on. <laughs> Jack, do we have a sound effect for that? Like some sad horns? It
1: was or? your laugh. That was the sound effect. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes, I let it be. Um, but I just, I love going out there now as an adult. As a kid, I wanted to get away and move to New York City as fast as possible. But now getting to go out there and enjoy it. For its beauty and everything that's grown out there in the ocean and the seafood, it's just a real a real treat.
1: Oh, it's a real beautiful place.
2: And my dad owns a farm stand out there oh, in, West be- in West Hampton Beach. In West Hampton Beach. If he's listening, he's going to kill me. that I don't know the exact address. It's on Montauk Highway on the northbound side. There used to be a surf bar. Uh, it's just east of Spionk. But there used to be a surf bar that's been closed down, but the... Wooden um, painted surfboards are still attached to yeah. the fence, oh, and it's cute. just how long street. has he been there? I want to say four or five years. Yeah. And uh, he has beehives all over the East End. And my brother caddies at Sabonic. and so my brother is a writer, caddies for Joe Biden and Matt Lauer, and all you know, like the big names who go out mm. there. And then um, goes deer hunting, you know, and keeps people's bees for them. They just have this really cool intersection of. Earth and fancy. Well,
0: I think that's one of the things from the book too. Is that because Long Island, you know, is still the you know most productive farmland in New York State, but it's all these little microclimates. And I think you can have the homegrown food and ingredients if you're not growing it yourself, like Nick and Tony's does in the back. But you you have the ocean, the water. I mean, you can really eat locally, yeah. you know, so often. And I just looked up. We have another farm stand in the book. Babinski's farm stand.
2: So Where are they?
0: He's um, he was one of the inspired. Uh, Because in the book, I asked every chef who inspires you most. And so that was, you know, the story behind it. So you had to find really what made each chef very special, what made them unique, and Um. ask them who inspired them. So that's why it's featured with the chef and the grower, you know, together.
2: What a great concept.
0: So you started, you had a blog, right, about Chef's Gardens? Well, I started because I've always been fascinated with gardens. I worked at New York Botanic Garden, Brooklyn Botanic Garden. And I think that gardens inspire all the artists, but I started with the culinary artists, and that's how we finally got to the point of the book. I want to know how the gardens inspire people. And then for the Long Island book, I expanded the concept so it would not be only the, say, fruit or tomato or vegetable grower, but also the oyster grower or the vintner or the, you know, all the variety of, you know, different kinds of duck growers. I mean, Long Island has such a, uh, you know a portfolio of ingredients. You know, one of the chefs said, I think it was Tom Shadell's, that it was like, it's like Disneyland out here for food ingredients. Like everything you want is like local. And, you know, in doing the research for the longest time, Long Island would ship their food to New York and then it would get shipped back out again. So uh, I just wrote a chapter for a book uh, called Savor and Gotham. And this was one of the things one of the chefs said is that, you know, now it's our time. We have our own stuff. You know, like we don't need to import stuff. So the book explores, you know, a lot of that and tells the good food stories besides the recipes from the chefs. When were you at Brooklyn Botanic Garden? Oh, let's see. From two thousand three or four through two thousand ten, we just 11? missed each other. I was there two
2: thousand one to two thousand three and a half. Is that right? Yeah, I what worked in the mean? in the public events department with Anita Jacobs. Oh
0: yeah, she's still there. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah.
2: I left be, to become a uh, teaching fellow. And then I ran away to culinary school. But I saw in your bio in the book that you were there too. Yeah. It's like Hamptons, Botanical Garden. It's all good <laughs> karma coming together. <laughs>
0: yeah, I wanted to expand the whole, you know, say, Book of Botanic Garden brand, if you will, to include all the areas that are part of its mission. So besides the public events, I mean, everyone knew it for Cherry Blossom Festival and maybe the Children's Garden, and that was it. But we had great science department, horticulture, education, all the other events like Chili Pepper Fiesta. Yeah. So it really celebrates... Uh, the plants and what they mean to all of us.
2: It was another lucky place that I got to work briefly. You're not kidding. I don't know if, any, if everyone or knows special. this. Botanic gardens close a day a week so that they can do all the maintenance. And mm-hmm. so on Mondays we had the garden to ourselves because they were closed to the public. So for the first half of the day the gardeners would go out, maintain all the beds if they had to do you know pruning or spraying or whatever it was. But in the afternoon you had the oasis to yourself. It was...
0: It's true, and so it, that cool. is one of the things that the members cite as their most favored benefit is that in the summer, they have the garden to themselves, it, and they can picnic under those beautiful trees. Right, so beautiful. which oh, the yeah.
2: public, I'll tell you, that is not. That is highly frowned upon. If the public tries to picnic, they're disabled. Uh, any like, other time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> become <laughs> a
0: member, you can right. do it. Yeah,
2: there you go. <laughs> so, Chef, tell me about um, your garden in the back of Nick and Tony's.
1: Well, That garden started... Uh, actually i've been there 23 years and when i first started there it was a small herb garden that jeff had started with um scott chasky at quail hill and uh over the years it just you know got pushed out pushed out to our property line and a couple of years back we we had an empty lot on the side of our parking lot which we expanded to as well which we're continuing to try to work the soil to make it growable you know it's been a a long challenge to kind of get it there but it's it's turned out to be really good. We have a, a a farmer that works for us, Jeff negron um who we sit we sat down with a couple of weeks ago and planted out, you know, scheduled out all of our crops that are going to come in to make sure we get a really good harvest and we have bees um which kind of plays into the whole garden thing and we have our own honey which is really nice. Mary Wolf takes care of that for us. And uh you know, it's just an, it's an incredible place. It's one of the reasons I stayed out there. I was working in the city at the river cafe while i was away at school and came out there for a summer just thinking i was just going to kick back for a summer and
2: <laughs>
1: stayed for the summer and really fell and in love with job, it yeah. you know and uh, went back to the city i said okay i'm going to go back to the city that's it you know and i went back and worked for a winter and got invited to come back out again and uh, that was it i never left you know yeah, there's know. just the bounty out there it's just incredible it's incredible so
2: yeah i love i i joke that when i start making rachel ray money i'm going to have a house on the, the west coast of North Haven. Yeah. Like I just, I drive down to the end of those roads and it's just beautiful and silent and... Uh, yeah, a lot of it. times we
1: take it for granted where we live, but mm. it's it's really, I mean, yesterday I was, yesterday morning I went out with friends and we went clamming and oyster you know, I got a couple of dozen, dozen oysters, you know, like 72 clams and went home and just shucked them and... A, were you,
2: you were on a boat with a rake? Or nope,
1: no, we walked out in waders and wow. you know, got bundled up. It was cold out yeah, there. It was cold out there. But it was, <laughs> uh, you know, the water. I mean, this is the time for shellfish. It's, you know, the water's really cold and the shellfish is really briny, which is great, yeah. you know, so.
0: Even for one of the photo shoots, one of your partners, he went out and got the fresh fish he just brought in. It was like really yeah, fantastic, March. yeah, when I was doing the research for the book, the nick and tony 's garden there that was one of the first, uh, if not the first, in Long Island to have the restaurant because they did it uh, the owners uh, Tony and uh, Jeff, they did it in the European fashion, where of course you would have your garden you know next to the restaurant, you know right. why not yeah, you know right. Jeff
1: and Tony were actually ahead of their time, Definitely. you know they were you know before the whole slow food movement but for them that's what it was all about they had lived in italy mm-hmm. and you know food was just coming to their back door fish and everything else and it was about what was fresh at the time you know so the and, and the restaurant continues with that you know our menus are they don't change seasonally they change mm-hmm. you know weekly almost you know to what's in what's coming around and The Fish and Market Catch and, you know, our Dr. Dish program that we're part of, you know, so we're able to reprint our menus and just go with what's local. You'll never see a tomato on our menu, you know, in the middle of January or February.
2: So you guys Mm -hmm. just had the pleasure of having lunch at Roberta's Pizza, which follows a similar model. (laughs) We made a point of it, so we had to come for that. How did you like it?
1: it? Oh, it's incredible. You know, I've actually been a big fan of this place for a long time. You know, their pizza is incredible, and I was saying earlier that I think their food is... Just as good as, if not better than their pizza, you know. It's, it's simple. I
2: love the burger. I don't know if you guys had the burger. It's one yeah. of the very best burgers, I may have. I think I've ever had. It's spectacular. <laughs> and yesterday I ordered it, and it doesn't come with a slab of tomato on it, which you, you notice when it's not there. It's good. And it's great if yes. you understand why it's not yes. there. And it's I, you know, I love that it's you know popular and it's but it's such a source of education and as yeah. a restaurateur you have or a chef you have the opportunity to teach people to change their expectations yeah. and it doesn't have to be this like mealy
0: well nick tony's has a very beautiful you know oven also where they do the fire roasting and yeah. lots of good yeah, we food truly, you it.
1: know we we in the wintertime we do pizza out of it but you know i was saying earlier i really enjoy cooking food out of the oven you know as much as i do pizza or anything else if not more
0: And there's There's a picture. Picture in the back of the book showing uh, Mm. Jeff Romuto at Nick and Tony's, like cooking up. But when I first got there to do the interview with Joe, and he had two of his farmers there um, Scott Scott. and. um,
1: And the balsam guys, Alex and Ian.
0: Uh, Mm -hmm. And I rode my bike from Sag Harbor, so the first thing was when I was a little bit late, speaking of. (laughs) And uh, I didn't realize how far, so I get off the bike, and of course, Chef Joe Romuto is so tall, and he's standing on the wall of the garden, he looks down at me, and he's like, You rode your bike from (laughs) Sag Harbor, (laughs) and I said, "Yeah, is that kind of crazy?" And he's like, "Yes." So anyway, we did the uh, the interview, but I learned so much. uh, You know how he works with the farmers, where they suggest some things, and vice versa, he might suggest things. So then, in the spring, when you go out and you see what's growing, and you know what they have available, so it's a. I wanted to show in the book not only that relationship between the inspired grower or maker, artisanal food maker, and the chef, but also that reverence that they have for the land and the water. And you could really see that, I think, the two photographers, Jennifer Smith and, of course, Lindsay Morris, who does it for all the edible publications. They sort of captured that magic where you can see how the chef and the farmer or the Oyster grower, the fishermen are working together, and I think that is, you know, at its core is what really what makes the book as well as these restaurants so special. They care. They they work a lot harder. This is I didn't want any chefs that are like smile and dial. You know, right, it's just right. it's just not the same when you have a market driven right. menu like that.
2: So you mentioned that in the book, this idea of just explain what you mean when you say smile and dial, because if you've never worked in a restaurant before, <laughs> you may not know what that means.
0: I don't know if that's a real term, but that's my term for it. Is that you know when the chef merely calls the and just fills in and you know he's just making stuff like whatever the food there isn't that attention to and of course you have to order some things you know there's no question about that but um, I think for the local part I also like what Claudia Fleming another chef in the book says is that if it's like, because how do you define local or native or whatever? She'll say, if it grows in our area and it's out of season, I'm not going to serve it in the off season. But if we're never going to have it, like a banana or a chocolate or coffee, then right. I am going to have it. So I think people that steer away from the native or local, they just use that as an excuse so that they can just check off on this grocery list and order from. I mean, it's good to eat fresh, but if you're getting your food from China or Bolivia or wherever, it's not good for you. You need to eat your own soil. You need to be healthy. You need to have that. And so when these chefs really depend on the weather or the vagaries of fishing or whatever, it makes a difference. But when you eat it, you know, most of them say, I get the best ingredients and do as little as possible to it. And I think that's what makes the difference. I've been trying to coin
2: the phrase pragmatic locovore okay because you know people are like well what do you like what are you eating february i'm like avocado you know like yeah. i'm not gonna i am not gonna Grains. live on radishes mm-hmm. and you know for and turnips and potatoes i will i will supplement my diet with other things exactly. and i try to eat things that are local to somebody so that's right. you know bananas are a hard one well we, that's a whole other conversation oh, to have yeah. about the banana industry which i i don't know enough about to talk about um eloquently but We'll talk another time. That's, I've been to those That's a videos. whole other and episode right. or yeah. show in and of itself. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. So let's um, let's take a quick break, <laughs> and when we come back, I want to know what uh, some of those garden plants are. Great.
0: Yeah.
1: Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Are you a locavore? Our northeast regional forager for Whole Foods Market sure is. She spends her time traveling around the New York City metro area sourcing the best new or interesting artisanal and handcrafted local products for our purchasing teams at the local store level. Part of our commitment to our local suppliers includes assisting them with the process of getting their products sold at our stores. Whether it's suggesting packaging designs, pricing, or distribution methods, she's helping some of the area's best new products reach savvy shoppers at Whole Foods Market Stores. Today, New York. Tomorrow, the world. For more information, visit wholefoodsmarket.com.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Sharp and Hot. I am your host, Chef Emily Peterson. Joining me in the studio is my producer, Ann Hogan. Hi, Ann. Hey, how's, how's it going? going? I'm all right. Good. And uh, with me is Le- with us is Leanne Lavin, author of the Hamptons and Long Island Homegrown Cookbook, and one of the featured chefs, Joe Real Muto of Nick and Tony's in the Hamptons welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. So um, before the break, you mentioned that you were planning out your garden for this season and I'm wondering, some of the things what does that process look like? Are we talking seeds? Are we talking... Yeah, uh, well,
1: what we do is we kind of look at the pr- previous year and what we've yielded and what worked and what didn't work. You know, we it's basically trying up, trial and error for myself and for the farmer. Even though they're farmers, they don't know what's going to grow in our, in our farm. You know, there's different soil you know, different climates. You know, the way we're closed in, and the sun, and the deer, and the bugs. Right. You know, so we we look at the yields we got from the year prior, and then we try to improve upon it. You know, and this year was last year was a good good example. You know, we said okay, we're going to do less crops, and we're going to try to do more of them to try to last. I mean, we're very busy in the summer, so to do, you know, a couple of cases worth of a couple of, you know, 50 pounds worth of something might only last us one day. So we're right. like, all right, let's expand it. Hopefully we could save on harvesting and, you know, planting, save a little bit of money there, but it didn't yield the way we wanted to. So we kind of went back and we looked at those yields and we said, okay, what do we need to do to constantly be able to feature something out of our garden on a, on a couple of times a week, you know? And he says, all right, we need more varieties. So then we just basically sit there with a the catalog and go through and see what excites us. You Isn't know? that fun? Yeah, it's fun. like shopping yeah. you know, for you know, clothes or something. Did you get yeah. the
2: Toys R Us cal- catalog as a kid uh, yeah. before <laughs> Christmas? I feel like it's like the C catalogs come in February. It's like, they're, they're huge.
1: I still look at the Toy- Toys R Us catalogs.
2: <laughs> I got my first one. I'm officially on the mailing list from my, my kid's turned two, yeah. so they got me. It's like Toys R Us and AARP. Yeah. <laughs> They'll funny. find you. You're the sandwich <laughs> generation there.
0: Yeah. But also, they're The farmers told me they really try to surprise the chefs, especially Joe, so they'll put in something so that there's that sense of delight and wonder when he goes out to the garden. He's like, what the hell is this? (laughs) (laughs) And what can I do with it?
1: You know, the the big one, actually, which kind of comes to mind when you say that, Scott had planted eggplant, these Turkish heirloom eggplants, which are the size of a hardball, and they're round, um, orange, and black kind of... uh, striped they cool. totally do not resemble an eggplant at all <laughs> even when you cut into it you know and he's like can you guess what it is and we're like i have no idea and then he told us and and you know that whole process of okay what are we going to do with this now is great
2: right it's right. fun and you know the in terms of struggling with crops i have we have four raised beds i live on a family farm and we're experimenting with raised beds which has been Life-changing. But I had rainbow chard two summers ago. Mm -hmm. We we had so much rainbow chard, we were giving it away. And then in a different bed, I planted it again last summer. Totally different climate. Never really got hot. And we got like some piddly little micro greens and it just sort yeah. of fizzled out. And that's like a crop that we really rely on. Yeah. Yeah. So you do you rely on local farmers if what you are asking for isn't coming in? Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we're supplying our restaurant with, you know, 30 percent of our vegetables in the summer, I'd be exaggerating. You know, so, mm-hmm. you know, Balsam Farms is, is big for us and Amber Wave and Quell Hill, you know, they'll load up with. They'll roll up with truckloads of stuff. <laughs> and, you know, we're just going through so that, much And they volume. have a
0: farmer's market at Nick and yeah. Tony's also. Oh, that's yeah, great. What day of the week is it? On
1: Fridays there? from, you know... Um 10 to 1. Okay. You know, we started about eight years ago. Actually, myself and my partners were like, you know, we'd go to Sag Harbor and see the farmers and we're like, well, why can't we have one of these in East (laughs) Hampton? So we kind of went through the process and spoke to, you know, there was, it was only a handful of farmers, maybe four at the time. And uh, we actually put a stand just to kind of fill some space and did some of our prepared foods. And now it's operated. We have a farm manager and there's 22 vendors with wait lists to get into this, farmer's markets, which Mm -hmm. is great, and it's right in our parking lot, so I drive in in the morning and get to, you know, talk to all the farmers and beekeepers and um, fish, you know, coffee growers and, you know, some really, really cool kind of stuff.
2: I love, and it's it's so authentic when it's real, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's, I had an experience last weekend, my husband and I went out to dinner to a place in Manhattan that was like, completely greenwashed this idea of like it's all fresh and local Mm. and I'm eating I'm like there is no way that those are not Cisco boxes down there and it's like as someone who puts a lot of work into like teaching people all this stuff Mm. it's really frustrating and it's your passion is so obvious when you talk about And I just thank you for the authenticity because it shows and your customers will leave better people, even if they don't realize what's happened to them that really will affect them. Um, In the course of the summer, do you do any preserving and putting up of stuff?
1: We do. Actually, my pastry chef is really good at it. You know, we're still using jams and things like that. And my food and beverage director and... My partner, Christy, are planning out things that they could even use for the bar programs as well. You know, uh, cool. we still have ramps for Shit. our Bloody Mary boards and, you know, hot peppers. And okay,
2: things like wait. That. I need to I... know what a Bloody Mary board is oh. because I love a Bloody Mary. <laughs> well, if you like a
1: Bloody Mary, you'll love a Bloody Mary board. It actually comes out. It's got a carafe of vodka, carafe of the mix, and then all of the countryments countrymen, countrymen that come with it. Horseradish, uh, picadillo peppers, handmade mozzarella, Um, pickle, veg, lemon, a couple of different hot sauces, and you kind of Mix your own.
2: My mouth is watering. We right? need yeah. a <laughs> sharp and hot summer yeah. trip. Yeah. Well, it's actually it's a, it's <laughs> a, it's a,
1: it's a brunch <laughs> thing, so fall or spring because we don't do brunch in this, in the summer. You like, got to come in the fall or the spring. Right. Actually, you know this spring. time of year. Is so
2: even and closer. Yeah. Do it. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. <laughs> Let's get on the train.
1: So it's kind of fun, you know. So going to make your own Bloody marriage. There's a lot right. of them that
0: use like the bruised tomatoes and things. They make all the fresh mm. tomato juice also, and the potato chips. I mean, Long Island's so famous yeah. for it, right? So we reuse all this. And
2: Acme Seafood does it at the Oyster Bar in New Orleans, where you can mix your own hot sauce. It's yeah. a si- similar, mm-hmm. idea. and that was so cool. And I was, I was like, "Why didn't oh, I God. think of well, that?" It's That's interactive. Like, Everybody
1: likes to get, kind of get their hands dirty. Which yeah. Is, yeah,
2: yeah, especially like for people who love to cook, but maybe are not going to, you know, especially fine. If yeah. they're not going to do all the <laughs> mise en place. And like, I'm sure it's beautiful, yeah. and it's all in little. Ramekins. And it's the just more so Bloody Marys
0: you have, the easier it <laughs> is.
2: So for people who are going to cook, let's talk about the recipes that are in the book. Are, they are arranged by farmer and restaurant, right? So the restaurant and then the
0: person has, the owners have chosen their um, greatest influence. Right. So the book is broken out by the region, so it covers all of Long Island. so the Hamptons and the South Fork, the North Fork, the North Shore, the South Shore. And then each of the chefs and their inspired grower, artisanal food maker, there's the story about them because everybody, like you say, the authenticity, they want to know about uh, how the chef came to be a real uh, local market-driven chef. And then all the recipes are from the chefs. So I gave them some parameters, but it's really up to them. But I said maybe a family heritage uh, recipe, a new recipe for the book, a signature recipe, and a seasonal one, and maybe not summer because that's so easy. So, right, yeah, you know, maybe yeah. like a winter one. So, uh, the book actually doubled in size, so we had to cut down from the four to six that we had, and I think there's three to four, you know, each of the chefs. But one of the things when Edible Manhattan picked a homegrown, uh, you know, cookbook uh, for their best bets of the holiday season, but yep. when they had featured Chef Joe Romuto from Nick and Tony's with his Pecanic Bay scallops, I mean, everybody loves that. So, right. I mean, that's like a classic. Definitely. But uh, the book has been marketed across the country, and across the world, actually. But so people might ask me, well, how do I get that ingredient if it's local to there? But then I say, you can just deconstruct it and you can use you know, whatever is local to you. But I think when people look at the recipes and um, you know, see what the ingredients are, they see how fresh everything is and that they're easy to make. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things that struck me is everything's really accessible.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've made that... the mushroom cappuccino so many times and it's from Chef Guy Rouge but it's so impressive I mean it looks like cappuccino but it's mushrooms and that's especially important during the winter because it gives you your vitamin D so you can be like good and healthy for you and delicious tasting also so all of these foods have a reason that's the reason why people stayed healthy and good my uh,
2: husband was shocked to learn that in my family we deep fry scallops mm. because he thought like it's such a precious item, especially bass. I scallops. somewhat
1: agree with them. You know, very <laughs> rarely will you see me doing anything with them except, you know, broil them or just a quick saute. You know, you don't want to overcook them. And I find when you fry them, you're cooking the scallop too much to get that Ooh. crispy texture on the outside, you know.
2: I think it's that my father on good days was bringing in hundreds and hundreds of pounds of them. <laughs> it was yeah. just like, this is what we eat. Now, he asked me uh, if I thought there was a market for um, scallop yeah. Was it scallop liver? The pink. The row. The row. Scallop yeah. row. And he, you know, because he still works on a scallop uh-huh. boat occasionally. My brother goes out scalloping. Um, and he's like, do you think we could sell this in New York City? You
1: know, maybe. Uh, know. You know, maybe. Um, you know I, that's one th- You know, when I go scalping, you know, I like to, because I go myself. I, you know, it's for fun, you know, just for the restaurant.
2: Do you have for, a look box?
1: I do. Yeah. I do. One for myself and one for my son or a friend, whoever might be coming out with me. Um, And, you know, one of the ways that I like, you know, I like to just shuck them and eat them raw, you Mm -hmm. know, and I will eat the roe as well or Mm. or just steaming them, you know, whole and just eating the whole thing. You know, they're they're. Delicious. Most you know, people, people get freaked out because they're a little funky looking on the inside. Well, no one, if, you, if you've
2: never seen one before, the part that you eat is the abductor muscle that holds the bivalve Correct. shells together. The, there's a whole other animal in there. Yeah.
0: And I've told people that, and their eyes are like,
2: wait, what? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I know, but I, I think, you know, without knowing, but I think that the Asian markets especially like those things. I mean, there's other cultures mm. that eat so many different things, and we kind of have like a mono menu, if you will, here. We eat like seven things or ten things. You know, for me, like I said, just coming back from Ecuador, you're exposed to so many things, uh, especially when you travel. But I bet you those, you know, markets would be very interested in something like that.
2: And I'll tell you, that Uyghur restaurant that I was at this morning with my NYU students, there was things, I don't know what we ate. I mean, it was delicious, Mm -hmm. but it's like putting yourself into the hands of a chef who's you know, truck that you trust is going to feed you delicious things. And it was awesome. So yeah, I would exactly. encourage anyone who mm-hmm. sees it on a menu to order it because that'll create a demand yep. for this product. That's otherwise just going in the compost. Well, and,
1: and one of the good things, one of the things that we do, and it's a really great program the Dr. Dish, um, they give us bycatch of, the, mm. you know, so we'll get, you know, scup, which is porgies and mm-hmm. we call them Montauk sea bream or, <laughs> you know, a lot of these What's things the that people don't eat, you know, um, you know, blowfish, which they actually eat sea robin, um, skate. You know, things that just people kind of push aside, and they kind of that's part of our co-op is that we get fifty pounds of of prime catch and then fifty pounds of bycatch, and we have to figure out what to mm-hmm. do with it and how to kind of educate educate our customers. And it's actually been really fun because mm-hmm. you know porgies is a great one. You know, you call it porgies, everybody's like, oh, yeah, I don't like them. But you call <laughs> it a Montauk sea bream, doctor <laughs> dish, and, you know, people are just like you don't. They don't realize what they're eating until after they're done, and then you say, "Do you realize what you just ate?" You out of a, a porgy. They're like, "No." That's so like, fun. Yeah. I
2: grew up on porgy. I yeah, love, love porgy. Yeah. Oh my Great. god! Yeah. And it, at Fairway and Whole Foods, they're like two dollars a fish. Yeah. Everybody, keep it what? quiet. I don't want that. I know, <laughs> Dad. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, Doctor Dish, do you work with Sean Barrett?
1: I do. He yeah. and I
2: worked at Oakland's together oh, when we really? were in high school. That's funny. Yeah, he used to come out to Hampton Bays for the summers, and. I, I have very fond memories of driving around in his overheating um, <laughs> Forerunner or Zuzu Trooper yeah, or something like that. has got a great like program that. going now. Yeah. Out. yeah. I just got an terrible. email from, from Dr. Dish, and it's from Sean Barrett. And I, we haven't reconnected as adults yet, but I'm... Well, you have to have him on the show. I know. We're all in the same circle, so <laughs> I have to... The circles are closing it's in tighter so, and tighter. So, cool. so if there was a um, recipe from the book, could we share one from Nick and Tony's? Absolutely. If I put it up on the Sharp and Hot website, which, yeah. which one would you say uh, is the most delicious that strikes you?
1: You know, uh, I'm a big fan of the Peconic Bay Scallops, you know. um, All all of these other two recipes, uh, you know, were two of my other favorites as well. You know, but the Peconic Bay Scallops is just the local bay scallops that are just quickly pan-sautéed and then we deglaze the pan with lemon juice and then mount it with a little bit of butter and we make a little lemon butter vinaigrette Mm. and throw it over some garden arugula, which, you know, is really, really peppery and Really, really delicious, um, you know, and then we take croutons, which we make in house, but you could buy them um, and just kind of crush them and kind of sprinkle them over the top. It gives a little bit of texture, but you know if you look at a lot of these recipes in this book, which is great, you know they're very, very simple recipes, like that one I just described to you is pretty much that is the recipe there is mm-hmm. not much <laughs> to it you know you kind of let the ingredients speak for themselves if you have really good peppery. Uh, arugula from your garden, and you have these beautiful bay scallops that are just super, super sweet. It's just, you know, it, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, to a recipe like the garden agrodolce, uh, which is just garden vegetables with, you know, tomato, uh, a little bit of sugar, a little bit of vinegar to give it that sweet and sour. It's just really, really simple and really good.
2: I love, and and it's true. You have have really, really good ingredients, and then get out of their way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I will type up the pecanic bay sea scallops. Recipe and put it on sharpenhot.com. And then we are doing this thing with our listeners where they take photographs of the things that they cooked and just that they were going to post anyway and then use the hashtag sharpenhot. And then I mail them a cookbook out of my collection. So uh, it's really fun. I had custom book plates made and I mailed out a whole bunch of them last week. And one of our listeners hashtagged her lunch in Mexico yesterday. Yeah, which was super exciting. What was it? It was was tortillas and then an avocado sliced in half, and then in where the pit had been, two halves of lime and a bottle of hot sauce and a cerveza. Oh, nice. nice. <laughs> so nice. we're building make this community of like-minded people who are listening to this show and getting cooking advice and then using the social media to check back in with us. So, well, I'll post think. this. You guys make it, hashtag sharp and hot, and I'll send you a copy of the book. And I will have you guys sign it before you leave, so it'll be extra special. Oh, very right. nice. Um, and... Yes. Do you recall who's on the show next week? I know. We oh, go through man. this at the end of every show. And oh so but I do.
0: Okay. But, but I But do. while you're doing it, I'll tell you yeah. a funny story with extra things. Well we were at Balsam Farms and you talk about like the buy bi- from the from the seafood. But I look down, I see purslane, you know. Uh-huh, yeah. So I said, you know, that's really good. And he goes, that's a weed. And I said, well, be that as it may, but it's selling at the green market for yeah. like $2 a pound. Right. So yeah. you get to explore different kinds of things when you just look around. Right, that dandelion leaves. <laughs> exactly. It's, and,
2: and the Union Square green market, which local listeners, you can also get base gallops at on Monday, mm-hmm. Wednesday, Friday, mm-hmm. and Saturday. Um, they have dandelion greens for like $6 a bunch. I'm like, I'm in the wrong things. business. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and your father can sell the shells. Right, exactly. Oh, the shelves, yeah. Yeah. Okay, and who's on next week? Yeah. So next week we have Elizabeth Carmel. Oh, yeah, from our barbecue friend. And a Yeah. Awesome. Very exciting. And I want to send out a happy birthday to T Sue, who had her birthday party last night at uh, Alanda and raised a whole bunch of money for Heritage Radio Network. So oh, thank you to goodness. everyone who came out. It was really fun we had a bunch of wine donated and no two bottles were the same. So I, I was charged with doing something with it. So I came up with a game called Wine Roulette and I was the wine oracle and I would ask people personality <laughs> questions and then make a recommendation based on what they. Amazing. amazing. It was real. I, I think I, I needed to make an app. It was, I think it, it, it was really fun. Um, and also big congratulations to the folks who won IACP cookbook awards over the weekend. Yeah. Our very own Dave Arnold won for, and I, and I got his name right, not the English muffin guy, not the Wendy. Oh, man. yeah, no. <laughs> Dave I Arnold, look. I
0: was a judge this year.
1: Oh, oh yeah. So, so Dave yeah. Arnold won
2: for Liquid Intelligence. Um, Leanne won for Good. My uh, Leanne good. Brown for Good and Cheap. Oh, she won you. Judge's good. Choice. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm totally blanking on the rest. But everyone who was nominated totally deserved it. Um, everyone who won. Really deserved it, and I'm really excited. for Absolutely, everyone. so sure. congratulations! Uh, next week we will be back on the air with Barbecue Queen Elizabeth Carmel. If you want to get in touch with us, you can go to sharpenhot.com. I'm Chef Emily P on Twitter. Nick and Tony's is the restaurant. You are also on Twitter, right, Chef? I am. What's your handle? Say, I'm sorry, I talked over you.
1: Joseph Realmuto. All
2: right. Oh, I totally butchered your name, that's and you okay. didn't even correct nah, me. That's, that's so polite also of you. Also on
1: Instagram. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and uh, we will be making a field trip out. Mm-hmm. The cookbook is at Hamptons and Long Island Homegrown Cookbook. Leanne Levin. You are also on social media. Yes, at Chef's Gardens. That's so easy to remember yeah. and so. Or garden glamour, I have two. <laughs> well, I just retweeted one of them. So yeah, we'll, we'll find <laughs> it. There we go. <laughs> Until next week, everybody, keep playing with fire and knives. Thank you.